This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. I just want you to think for, I just would like, so think of the matrix. I'm just trying to give you some matrix to think about, right? So tree of life, river of life, light to the world. Then go and read the story of Joseph, the story of Daniel, the story of David, and just go and ask yourself, how's he being a tree of life here? How's he being a river of life here? How's he being a light to the world here? Joseph, uh, of Joseph, King Pharaoh says, he says to his advisors, is there anyone so wise as this man in whom the spirit of the gods dwells? Let's make him prime minister. Am I right? Now, if you think about it, he had a word of knowledge. So the king told him his dream, then he could interpret the dream, Right? But not only to interpret the dream, he understood what the dream meant and he knew then, you know, it's one thing to look back and to see something, but to look forward and say, this is coming, what do we do? There's going to be seven bad, good years and then seven bad years. Then to have the wisdom to say, store up 20% of the good into massive grain silos and then in the seven bad years, release that grain and sell it back to the people. That was the plan. Are you with me? Now, so he had the wisdom to understand that. He saw he had the knowledge, the thing to work it out. Okay, the counsel to speak it out. Then they said to him, good, go and do it. Now you've got to harvest. You've got to build. You've got to put it in there. That's power. That's going to take energy. Now it's not big talk, counsel. It's one thing to have the wisdom and the knowledge to come up with a plan. It's another thing to communicate the plan. Then it's another thing to action the plan. And in all of that, you need the fear of the Lord. Can you see? So he, you, you, when you understand those three pictures, and then you just look at any Old Testament saint, you'll see them operate in that. Is that helpful? So watch it. It's enough to be a saint. Honestly, in God, if you're called by God to be a saint, and when I mean a saint, a saint that's an ambassador of the king, that advances the kingdom of God, on earth and brings those three pictures to earth, you'll hear well done, a good and faithful servant. Teacher, what an impact you can make. Yep. Hey Ben? Yep. But hey, but if God's called you to more, no problem. So then sometimes he calls you to, to be a deacon. But if you've got the foundation of the priesthood, you're called to be a deacon, no problem. I'm serving in the world anyway. I'm doing this stuff all in the world. So now, okay, you just want me to apply that and bring it to the church. And there's some here in church where you want me to serve and have some level of leadership oversight or authority. Okay? Happy? And deacons generally, when we look in, we believe that they oversee areas of ministry, like our life group, or worship, or kids, or different areas, serve teams and things like that. Happy? Okay? Then God calls you, and I'll use that word intentionally. The qualifications are the priesthood. He calls some of those priests to become deacons. Okay? But a deacon, the, the word deacon just means a servant. Okay? So, and saints are already serving. But you're just now serving at a different level, right? Then God says, okay, look, I'm calling you to be an elder. And we're going to look at the words for eldership in a moment. But this is now, uh, elders don't just, they, they're not concerned about a ministry. They're concerned about the ministry. They oversee, they, they, they carry the whole church in their hearts. You understand? Okay. And then, 
some of those guys, and it can be a saint, it can be a deacon, or it can be elder, God gives a translocal capacity to, and he calls them to be that. But it doesn't really, it doesn't really, I'm thinking just, I never thought about it like this, but I'm thinking the parable of the talents. You could be four, you could be three, you could be one. It really doesn't matter how many talents you are. What matters is what you do with the talent before the Lord. That's what you're going to give an account for, not how many you had. Because he gave them to you anyway. It's what you did with them. You, I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Okay, it's not a competition. It's not a competition. It's not like if you were a deacon, a saint, deacon, elder, and a translocal guy, and you get to heaven, you won. No, 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 no. If God called you to be a saint, and you were a saint like David, you won. If he called you, and he called you to a deacon, and you respond to the call, you won. If you call, and you understand, it's just, it's just, it's the destiny of God in your life. Just quickly explain, because now the way we see that often is, Saint, then deacon, then elder, then... No, now watch out. You can be a saint, you can have a translocal call in your life. You don't have to be a deacon or an elder. You can just be a saint and you can travel translocally and God use Luke, Luke, you know Luke, the historian? I mean, we don't see Luke having another position. What was he? Who was he? Was he a deacon? Was he an elder? Was he a saint? What was he? You know, definitely was a saint. Okay. But, you, but Stephen, Stephen was one of the deacons. So he was a saint and a deacon. And then, remember, he went down to Samaria. and opened, well, No, he got martyred. But he, Philip, Philip went down and he opened up Samaria. Boom. God did a whole lot of stuff there. Demons coming out. Wada, wada. Then, they call for the, then, then they call for the guys, the translocal guys, come and help us. But, but, but then you see Philip later on, he's there. And the guys would stay at his house and he had daughters that prophesied. Definitely there was something of a translocal calling on his life. Now we're going to read about Peter, and in 1 Peter, it says, I, Peter, write to you elders as a fellow elder. Okay, so Peter was a saint. Peter served in the church. Peter was an elder, and Peter was an apostle of Christ. Get rid of hierarchical thinking. And get rid of competitive thinking. The finite versus the infinite game. Did you see in the net clip? It's so good, you know. It's like God is unique. He's got unique calls. Just be faithful and do whatever He's called to do. Happy with that? Now, quickly on translocal ministry. Now these cups represent different churches. And in the Bible, every, every person was based in a local church. And any ministry that happened was either this. They were sent from a local church, like Paul and, and Paul and... Um, Barnabas, no, uh, Paul, yeah, Paul and, Saul and Barnabas, they were sent from Antioch to go minister. What was the fruit of that ministry? They, they, they got converts. They did their trip, they got converts. Then what they did, on their way back to Jerusalem, they revisited those churches. And interesting, go do the case study. The churches moved from being believers to being churches when they laid hands on people and they set them into offices, elders. Then those were not no longer a group of believers. They were called churches. And what they did is they, they, would, they made a whole lot of converts. Then they went back and they visited them. And it says there that after praying fasting, they appointed elders in each of those places. And now those churches became, those group of became churches. When, when like there was some formal authority put in place. 
Now, most of the letters to the churches are, and most of the movement around then was either guys planting churches and breaking open regions or going back to visit the churches from which they went. But they were sent from a local church. They crossed the border. They crossed the sea. They crossed the continent or a land. And they went and they ministered into another local church. And that's where we get this idea of translocal ministry. And the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher, are those five translocal gifts that God gives to the church to mature the saints in those local things so that they can do the work of the ministry. Happy with that? Okay, so that's Philippians 1 verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to the saints in Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. So it's not a big... Uh, they're not even levels. It's not a hierarchy, but it's different callings, and, you, and they're very blurred. Okay, happy with that. Now let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. I'm, I'm going to read it and make some comments, and then I'll read... Acts 20, make some comments, and we'll read Revelation 4, make some comments, and we're done. So, 1 Peter 1, sorry, yeah, 1 Peter 5, verse 1. To the elders, who's he writing to? Among you. I appeal as a fellow elder. So, this is Peter, an apostle, but he's also an elder. And a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Now, that's important. What's the difference between today's apostles and the, the 12 apostles? They were the eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And when they chose um, Matthias eh, to replace Judas, they had to choose someone who had been with Jesus from his baptism all the way to his ascension. Because they needed to be eyewitnesses of the actual physical life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Okay, that's the only difference between them apostles and these apostles, right? So when he says here, a witness of Christ's sufferings, He's saying, hey, I was one of those guys that saw him. John writes and he says, to, we, we write to you about what we have seen and what we've heard, what our hands have touched. Okay. Now, to the elders, what must they be? Verse 2, be shepherds of God's flock, serving under your care. Serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money but eager to serve, not lording it over those who have been entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. So now, from verse 1 to 4, is he speaking to three groups of people or one? Huh? To the elders among you. Okay, so he's... And, and, and he, so now, this is what we believe. One office, one, one office of leadership, one tier of leadership. Call them pastors, call them elders, call them bishops, call them overseers, call them shepherds. I don't care what you call them. Doesn't really matter. Okay? There's three job descriptions. Give them to me in one Peter. To the elders among you. I say be shepherds, serving as overseers. One office, three job descriptions. That's what we see in the Bible from this text, okay? What have we done in church history? We got a pastor and we got Oderlinger 
And then we had bishops to keep those guys in check. <laughs> These guys, they wanted the authority, but they didn't want the hassle of the job. It's hard work to pastor. So we'll find some idiot, really, that's going to take all the ka-a-ka, excuse me, okay? I'm serious, because we don't want it, but we want the authority in the religious position and title, and we'll pay him, but we'll pay him none. Okay? And then they, these guys said, Yossi, now I need someone to protect me. Let's have some bishops. Okay, then the bishops can keep an eye on everyone. But these oaks also became slack, and then they also nailed this oak. And they milked these oaks. Am I right or am I wrong? Okay, now there's various forms of this. And versions of it. Okay? In the Bible. Not in the Bible. In church history. But in the Bible, this is the form. You've got a job. You've got an office. You can call it to be an elder, to be a bishop, or to be a pastor, or to be a priest. But it's got three functions. You're to elder, you're to shepherd, and you're to oversee. Boom. You happy with that? Okay, now just in case... You're confused. The Bible says a testimony of two or three witnesses. Let's go to Acts chapter 20. And we're going to read uh, from verse... Uh, so it's Acts chapter 20. We, we can read from verse 13 all the way down to verse uh, 38. So it's quite a long passage of scripture. I'm not going to read all of it just because of the sake of time. But, it's, but the heading in my Bible in verse 13 is, NIV, Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders. So who's he speaking to? The elders. Okay. It says there, we went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos, where we, where we were going to take Paul aboard. Okay. Verse 16. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia. For he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to the Ephesians for the elders of the church. So who is he calling from the church? Hey, elders. Elders. Nowhere in the Bible will you see one elder in the church. Anyway, it's always plurality. I challenge you to show me one scripture where it refers to an elder in a local church. You will not find it. It's always plurality of eldership. Okay, so it says, uh, da, 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 da. so now he's speaking to the elders. Am I right? And he says this. Um, verse 28. He says a lot, and we're just flying through for the sake of time, but verse 28 says, keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That's the Greek word, episkopos. It's, we get it overseers or bishops, okay? Now watch here. B? Yes. That's the word pastor there. Okay, that word shepherd is the word pastor. Be pastors of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Now what's he telling them? Listen, the church does not belong to you. It belongs to the chief shepherd, who Peter referenced, who is Jesus. You don't own the sheep. It's not your church. My church. My elders, my deacons, 
Now listen, understand the language because there's a sense of ownership and you don't want people that don't, don't have a sense of ownership. But they don't belong to us. They're not ours. You understand? Now, just, just a couple of comments here. Keep watch of yourselves and the flock. Who made you? Who the Holy Spirit made you overseers? Who promotes you? Spirit, not a career. Promotion does not come from the Holy Spirit. Make sure the Holy Spirit has made, is making you this. Are you with me? Okay, and then be shepherds with that. Are you happy with that? Okay, so again, one office, three functions. 1 Peter 5, Acts 20. Clear? Now, go with me to Revelations 4. Now, Revelations 4, now I think I've preached on this in this church. What's the heading? Throne in heaven. Amen? Now, if you link this passage to uh, Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come to the throne of God with confidence and boldness that we may receive mercy, which is God's forgiving grace, and, and find grace, empowering grace, to help us in our time of need. So where do you find God's mercy? In the throne room. Where do you find God's empowering grace? In the throne room. Where do we live from? A glorious throne exalted from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. What gives us the right to come into the throne room? Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, let us come to the most holy place, which is the throne room, it's just different language, through the new and living way of his blood shed for us and the curtain of his body broken for us. There's only one thing that gives you access into the throne room, my friend. What is it? The blood of Jesus. Okay? And that's why it's for all sheep, not just for elders. Okay, now, so you have access to the throne room, yes, through the blood. Now, what do you find, what, 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 what grace do you find in the throne room? You find it here. Okay, and I'm not going to preach, I'm just going to mention it. Verse 1, after this I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Link that to John 10. I am the gate for the sheep. Okay, so Jesus is the open door, Jesus is the gate for the sheep. In John 10 he says, you will go... Come in and go out and find pasture through me. Where do we find pasture? In the throne room. We go in and out of the throne room of God's presence when we're receiving his mercy and his grace and we bring it from heaven to earth. Simple language. Very clear to understand. Okay? Jesus, when he had his quiet times, when he was praying, he was finding grace for the day. And then throughout the day, he would say these no, I love this. Charles Persian says this. Short prayers are long enough. Yo, I love it, my friends. Short prayers are long enough. Isn't that beautiful? Okay. So now watch here, guys. I think I've shared with this before. What's your name, buddy? Rudolph. Rudolph, come here quick. So this is what you should do. Quiet time does this. Give me your hands. Connects you. Have you watched Avatar? <laughs> have, you, have you watched Avatar? You know, they put the little thing on their hair, they connect it to the bird, that, that thing they fly on. They hook up, am I right? And then they connect it. And that's a little bit new agey and a bit hindu but it doesn't matter. This is what it is. God is our energy source. He's our life. He's our power. My quiet time connects me. Do you know what I did for 40 years of my life? I'd have my quiet time, I'd connect, and then I'd be... I see tomorrow. I see tomorrow. Then I go through the day. There's God. And I'm living life. 
and I pull, but then I'm like, as I'm going through, like, boosh, 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 boosh. and the further I go, like, then I've come the next morning, I'm, I'm crawling, I'm crawling, I'm crawling in there, you know, I'm coming there, and I'm there, and I'm like, now I'm connected again. You understand? Ah, same story. Oh. So now listen. After one day, the Lord says to me, He says to me, Take me with you. Short prayers are long enough. He's my shepherd. His yoke is easy. He goes ahead of me. I follow him. He gets all the hits. Honestly, this is short prayer. You just sometimes you just get ticked, but just, just Father, help! What help me? Boom! Short prayers are long enough. I need the fruit, help me fruit. I need the gifts, help me. I need the seven manifestations, help me. I need to hear, help me. I need to see, help me. I need to speak, help me. I need to do, help me. I need to walk in your way. Short prayers are long enough. Throne room, in and out. My son, all I have is yours. I've been slaving for all of these years. You never gave me a kid, go there. I could celebrate with my friends. This idiot son of yours comes back, squanders your wealth on white living. You kill the fattened coffin. You put a ring on his finger. You put a rope on him. And you give him sandals. You're a bad father. You're a slave, master. I've been slaving for you. Yeah, because you kiss me goodbye every morning. Short prayers are long enough. You don't access my resources. I'm your father. I've got no lack. You don't come to the throne room. You're religious. You think you've got to have a one-hour quiet time because now you're manipulating me and getting me to then ask me what you want. Nonsense, man. You're a son in my house. You can jump on my lap anytime and ask me for anything. I love you. You're my son. I'm pleased with you. You don't have to jump through hoops to ask me for stuff. Hey, short prayers are long enough. <laughs> this transforms your life, my friends. Hey, we've got to teach the saints this. Okay, so, yes, he help us, Lord. So I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Link this to Jesus when he was speaking to Nathaniel and he calls him and says, the guy, he gives him a prophecy, I saw you under the tree. He says, oh, so you impressed us to this. Let me tell you what you're going to see. You walk long enough, me, you will see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Am I right? That's what he said to him. He's thinking about Jacob, Bethel, where he has the dream of the ladder. And he says, listen, every single Christian has an open doorway and a ladder to heaven. Short prayers are long enough and you access God's empowering grace. Isn't that amazing? To help you with your mothering, your fathering, your businessing. Your deacon, your priesting, your eldering, your apostoliking. Boom. <laughs> Watch here. Come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. I see. 
come up here, here, the invitation, come. At once there was in the spirit, and before me was the throne in heaven, someone sitting on it. Boom, 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 boom. There was a rainbow over the throne. The rainbow represents what? New covenant. Yeah? And what's the basis of the new covenant? Mercy. Forgiveness. This is the blood of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of many sins. First grace you find in the throne room. Forgiving grace. Mercy. Beautiful. Beautiful. Last thing I want to do when I've messed up is run to the throne room. Because I feel disqualified. Because I'm religious. You don't run from God, you run to God. Amen? From Genesis to Revelation. Man sins and runs, and God runs and chases after. Turn around and run back. Now watch us. Surrounding the throne are 24 thrones with 24 elders on the thrones. Okay? They were dressed in white and golden crowns on their heads. White, you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Crown, you're a son of God. You've been given authority. They will serve our God and they will rule on the earth. Revelations 5, 9 and 10. With your blood you purchase men for God from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. They will serve our God and rule on the earth. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. Okay, so, elders. Authority, eh? Elders are in the throne room. This is the throne room. This is the place where all authority flows from, am I right? Second grace you get in, in the throne room. Authority. Okay, elders represent authority. Okay, uh, before the throne were seven lamps blazing. Aha, uh -huh. seven lamps, seven manifestations of the Spirit of God. It's seven gods empowering graces to you. Find them in the throne room. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne would look like a sea of glass, as clear as crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living creatures. They were covered with eyes front and back. The first of living creatures like that of a lion, the second like that of an ox, the third like that of the face of a man, and the fourth like that of the face of an eagle. Now, watch this. I want to spend a bit of time here. Three words for elders. Elders, okay. Uh, pastors and overseers. Now I want to link, I want to link the king, the lion, to kingly authority, to elders, exercising government, doctrine, discipline, direction, okay? In the throne room is a these four, these four living creatures represent four leadership anointings that every single person needs. Every saint needs them. Every person needs them. But you especially need them if you're going to be an elder. You need to put government in place. Are you with me? You need a kingly anointing, okay, that can bring provision, that can bring decisions, tough decisions that need to be made. Are you with me? You can lead. You can give direction. You can give protection. Kings were to provide and kings were to Protect. Elders, that's what elders do. They provide and they protect. You happy? Okay, face of a, of a lion. The um, eagle, it's very simple. Eagle, prophet, Old Testament anointing. Okay, and the bishops. What do they do? Bishops oversee. Uh, overseers. You can see that bigger picture. You can see the future. You're able to scope. You're able to scope in people's lives. You're able to help them. This is important to change now because if you don't change this now, what will it look like in this time? Yeah? Okay, so empowering grace in his presence, eagle anointing, the ability to be prophetic as you see things. Happy? Then the ox. Ox, we link it to the priest. 
and we link it to shepherding. I mean, let's face it, plowing the fields is just not the funnest job on the earth, especially with the ox. One thing, now these are common harvester, you've got like 10 and squeaker. It's just, but, but it's an amazing thing just to be able to love people, to shepherd people, to visit them, to listen to their problems, to give them counsel, and to be there for them, okay? Where do you get that anointing? In the throne room. Now, obviously, it's a lot deeper than this. I'm just giving you the headlines, okay? Now, so can you see it? Prophet, priest, king, lion, eagle, ox, okay? Man, fourth anointing. And this is so helpful. You know what the problem with most of us in this room is our gift mix. Or the lack of it. Me, sometimes I can be way too much king. Way too much king. So too hard, too harsh. Sometimes I... Sometimes, you know, God gives people a problem and you throw money at the problem. And actually God doesn't want you to throw money at the problem. He wants them to suffer a bit. They didn't listen, now they must feel. And God's putting fire and you putting petrol by giving them money. You understand what I'm saying? But, but often you've also got to provide for them. But, but you need to have the wisdom. You need the eagle anointing to see what is God doing here and what do I do here. Okay, so, so now watch here. Think of, the, think of uh, Solomon. Great king, but he just put too, too much king on them. And there was a heavy burden. Then he dies. And then Rehoboam, his son, becomes king. And they say, listen, lighten the burden. Your father put a heavy burden on us. Jeroboam, is the other, so it's Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Jeroboam says, listen, just lighten the load of the people. Ask the elders, the young guys, the older guys say, listen, if you, the king, the king, will serve these people today and give them a favorable part, they will serve you forever. If you as a king, use your kingly anointing, not to lord it over people, but to serve them, then they will serve you forever. That's the way it works in the kingdom. The older, the younger counselors say, hey, you tell these lazy people that my little pinky is thicker than my father's thigh. If he hit you with whips, I'm going to hit you with scorpions. So he follows that advice. The Israelites basically give him the middle finger and say, Futsak, we don't, we don't want you as our king. They choose Rehoboam. A Jeroboam, the kingdom is divided. What's it? It's a king that is too strong a king. And you need the man anointing to die to some of your strengths. You understand? Okay, when the volume is too high in that anointing, just turn the volume down a bit. Let's go to Aaron. Aaron was the high priest. Moses, the king, the, the governor, the elder, he's up on the mountain praying, getting the Ten Commandments. He needs Aaron in charge. After so many days of people like, hey, but we don't know what happened to this oak, Moses. <laughs> but you make us gods. That'll lead us back to Egypt. Am I right? Now, what's the heart of a, pri a priest? Make the people happy. Give them what they want. Okay, no problem. Bring me all your gold earrings. <laughs> Bible says that he's fashioned a calf, eh? Moses comes down and says, Aaron, what the hell have you done to these people? He says, you won't believe it, Moses. You won't listen to me. I'm serious, Moses. 
We took this stuff, we threw it in the fire, I popped this golden calf. <laughs> Go read this story. It's so funny. He's like, this guy's lying. But what is his heart? What's a priest's heart? Make the people happy. What's the problem? Hey, too much, too much priest. Turn the volume down a bit. Sometimes you've got to say no to the people. Then what about Balaam? Too much profit. Greedy profit. But, yeah, profit with an F, exactly. With a T. Okay? Are you with me? It's like, and it's like too strong. So what do you need? So the four leaders of anointings, lion, eagle, ox. What is man? Man must always die. The flesh must die. Man must die. So that these other three can live in perfect balance and harmony. Where do you get that anointing? In the throne room. Amazing, isn't it? Jesus is our king of kings. Jesus is our prophet in the order of Moses. Jesus is our great high priest. And Jesus is the son of man. He is perfectly awful. And you're called to be like him. And you get the grace and the power and the authority to be that in the throne room. Learn to live from the throne room now. And I'm telling you, if you never become an elder, watch ya, watch ya. Again, go back to the priest. Every priest has access to the throne room and these four leadership anointings. And every priest can operate in the four anointings of the elders, even if they never become elders. Because those are actually... See, elders are supposed to be the epitome of biblical godly leadership. You're supposed to be an example to the flock of not too strong, not too weak. Good balance and harmony in your life. Why would you want to be an elder? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, I'll tell you why you want to be an elder. Because God called you to be an elder. That's why. You know, if God called you to be a, a king, don't stoop to be an elder. But if God called you to be an elder, don't stoop to be a king. It all depends on what God's called you to do. It's his call for your life, not yours. Don't personalize it. Don't take, put your hands on God's call. You find out what God called in your life, you are bad. And you know, guess what? God's will is good, perfect, and pleasing. Find out what's God's good, perfect, and pleasing will for your life. Because, my friend, and I close with this, God's will is God's bill. Manny Pereira. God's way, God's pay. When God guides, He provides. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. How? Through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Ishla, did God call you based on your glory and goodness? What does it say? Based on His glory and goodness. This is not a career thing. You don't get the, you don't get this level of glory and goodness, and then God says, "Oh, let me reward you because you were so glorious and good." He's like, "Hey, slag, man." Yeah. <laughs> the only good thing in you is what I put in there. <laughs> and then this. You with me, guys? Okay, now watch ya. 
So His divine power, that's the Holy Spirit, has given you everything you need for life and godliness, who calls you by His own glory and goodness. Now watch here. Through these. Now the these is a reference to His glory and goodness. Watch here. Through these, He has given you very great and precious promises. Watch here. God's great and precious promises are based on His glory and goodness, not yours. Come on. Where's the, where's the religious human effort performance? Nowhere. Now watch out. By them, by the promises, you may participate in the divine nature and you may escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That's the flesh. So watch out. Here's divine power. Participate in the divine nature. That's living according to the spirit. And you can live according to the spirit based on God's own glory and goodness in calling you and his divine promise, which is based on his glory and goodness. Mm. Now, tree of life, river of life, light to the world. Not by my, not by, by, by my. Stop all religious performance. Get into the throne room. Ask God, short prayers are long enough. Be led by the spirit of God. I'm telling you not. If you live like that, automatically you will walk into the call of God in your life. You'll qualify for the call of God in life and your life will be a joy and a delight. Would you stand to your feet? Isn't this incredible, my friends? Hey, the trick is to live it out. <laughs> okay? Do you want to say something? I think it's also just helpful to maybe mention that um, I, I, I want to encourage you to go read Titus 1 and 2 Timothy. So many believers, I think they, know, they go nowhere near those books. And when it comes to speaking about governance and leadership in the church, it's a, it's, it's a master class. Read it through. Um, but what I've also just felt like, like it would be helpful to, to, because some of us are hearing, yes, I, I can see that and I'd love to contend for that and I want to walk in that. But what's the, what's the pathway? What's the process? Um, and, and, I, and I think it's different for each person. It's different for each context. Um, but, but for us, uh, certainly at City O'Neill, and um, something that, that we, have, we have been trusting the Lord for and continue to do is, is that I, I believe there are, there, are, there are four witnesses or ways in which we test, we, we recognize. You know, we have an inner witness. God calls us. And along with that is also the, the, the public proclamation of prophetic words. And, 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 and there's, a, there's a sense of like, hey, I can look over my life. God's been speaking that this is something he wants me to function in and wants me to express. There's a reality of that. Secondly, there's, there is a recognition of the saints, yes. the church. They recognize, they recognize that, that the call of God is there. And that whoever is called is functioning. In other words, they are shepherding me already. It's not something that you begin to do once someone lays you. You start doing it. You are it. It's a call. It's who you are. And then you, you, it's recognized. And I think it's very important for us to see that because often we think, again, hierarchy, run through the, but it's, it's who you are. But then there is a recognition of our, of our church and our leadership, um, seeing that, recognizing that in prayer, as Bruce was saying, with the, the elders in, in Cornerstone praying together. And when the timing is right. And when the timing is right for that to happen. But then also there is, there is a, a, a partnership with the translocal where Paul writes to Titus. He says, you know, I've left you in Crete 
to set in order that which was missing in the churches that I've left you. Ordain elders, set them in place. He says the same to, to, to Timothy and other places as well. And so there is all of those witnesses that are all at play. And, and, and you still get overlooked. And you still get overlooked, even though you, you get it all. And you are it all. But the timing isn't right. And, and for us, um, on this journey, we've invited you on the journey because there are elements of that. We can see glimpses of this. And for some of you, it's been obvious for long already. And it's just a matter of timing. For others of us, we're still discovering it. And, and the, the day may come when, when those who, would be, who, who God would highlight and say, this is the time. And some of us might go, but yeah, where were you? I didn't see, where did that come from? And, and I'm, I'm pretty much, by, by that time, my experience within leading in church is by the time God ordains elders, it's not a surprise. You know, it's like when a couple's going to get married. So already you can check. They, these two, they really, they love each other. It's coming, you know. We're just waiting. It's, it's a matter of when. And so in the same sense, I think for any, any function within the church should be expressed like um, Bruce said. We are all mature believers. We're all expressing our gifts. And then the call of God begins to become clear. Not only to a select few, but to the entire church to the uh, translocal team. And then when the time comes, we, we see it in Acts, uh, what's it, um, 13. The, the pray, they were praying and they were fasting and the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work I've called them to. When the Holy Spirit says, and that's a liberating thing, for as long as I'm in the will of God, pursuing, living from the throne room, whatever he does and however he does that, that's up to him to do. And I'm trusting those who, who, in whose care I've been placed to be able to recognize that and to do that um, when the timing is right. And, and I, just to, I wanted to just liberate us and to free us in that sense as well, because I believe God wants, wants us to understand the journey. And, and we'll be sharing some more resources with you and we'll have some more trainings as we go. But it's really important for me to, you know, for us to begin to, I think you've really sparked a bit of that. Lord, is this what you're calling me to? What does that look like? And how can I already express? I don't have to wait for someone to lay my hands. I can already priest. I can already shepherd. I can already care. I can already express what God has placed in me uh, and on my life. So just wanted to add that. Yeah. I mean, guys, it's a 10-hour training. I've done two hours. Are you with me? And all of that is covered. And that's why it says they must manage their own household well. Honestly, all these things that I've talked to tonight, your, your training ground is your home. All of these things, put it in your home. And you know why the home? Because that's the real you. Who you are at home, behind closed doors with only your wife and your kids see you, that's your default. That's your default, my friend. And let me tell you, when pressure's on, guess where you go? Default. I'm telling you. You know, you can hide it at home and then you share, yeah, then there's some incident happens here and then it comes out. And then you're, whoa, where did that come from? Oh, no, we know exactly where that came from. Right? You've just been hiding it, you little sucker. Am I right? So it's what really says. And let me say this, guys. In Timothy and in Titus, Paul says this. Teach. Encourage. Correct. Rebuke. Who... Do you have someone in your life that loves you enough to clap you? 
you know the story of Mark Bailey and I. You know the story of me and this eldership team. You heard it from Ainsley. All that to give some claps around you. But I don't get off on clapping people. I promise you. But you know what? A father loves his children and will correct them when needed because he wants them to walk in their destiny. So I'm asking you, have you got someone? Now, guys, we should be encouraging 90% of the time, teaching 90% of the time, correcting, I, I just fix that. And the only time you need a rebuke is when you're staying in the wilderness too long. Remember you asked me about the wilderness and extending the wilderness season? The best way out of the wilderness season, get someone to rebuke you. I'm telling you, listen, I've encouraged you. I've taught you. I've corrected you. You have only listening, not your fool. Boom! That's intimacy and that's in Titus and that requires government. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your hands. Father in Jesus' name. What a joy. What a delight to be able to just train this wonderful crop of people. And Lord, of course not all of them are going to be released tomorrow. Lord, for some of them it's going to be soon. For some of them it's going to be years. That doesn't matter. What matters is that they're on the journey. And Lord, if they never ever get released, if they are living like this, they'll be living in the fullness of what you want for them. So Lord, bless them, help them, guide them, lead them, and teach them, most importantly, that they are your sheep and that they can live from your throne room. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.